Turn your Bibles tonight to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I think tonight the message is going to be very simple. But I pray that it will not, it will be implemented in its simplicity. It will be implemented into our lives. Hebrews chapter 11 Let's stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him I want to preach a message tonight simply called this it's a faith promise missions conference I want to preach a message called living by faith without faith it is impossible to please him so living by faith let's pray father in heaven Your name is holy. I am weak. You are almighty. Father, whatever I say tonight is useless without the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would first of all give me power to speak through your spirit would speak through me and then Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to the church tonight. In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of fear, the spirit of pride, the spirit of religion, the spirit of human logic from our hearts and our minds tonight. Father, I pray that the end result of this message is that you would be lifted up and glorified. And that each person in this room tonight would either begin or continue on a journey of living by faith. Well, Father, we would hate to live a Christian life that is not even pleasing to you. So, Father, help us to understand faith tonight and help us to get on our journey or continue on our journey to please you and to be able to tell others the evidence we have of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What is faith? Simple definition right here in the Bible for us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. If it makes it easier for us to understand, the the, the way I began to understand this verse the best was to switch those two words around because faith is substance. So that means if faith is substance, you can say the substance of the things hoped for is faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or the things that I hope for, that I am hoping for. Paul talks often of 
hope and hoping for the day that we will see Christ and hoping for the day that this, this mortal shall put on immortality, this corruption shall put on incorruption. As he talks about the hope, that is the what we are using to look forward to that hope. The substance of it is our faith. I think of substance I was thinking about this last night or this morning and then today Pastor took Brother Curtis and I to eat. And he asked us, what do you want to eat? I grew up a country boy in northern Michigan and what we always had, no matter how difficult life was, it seemed like we always had venison and we always had beef because Grandpa was a farmer. And to this day, I always say, if I haven't eaten meat, I haven't eaten. Amen. Amen. Faith, I'm sorry, meat is the substance of my meal. If we look up the word substance, it means the main part. Amen. The foundation, the reality. When I eat, I like substance. And the substance that I have of the things that I hope for, that which I can say this is the real part, this is the reality, this is the foundation of the things I hope for is my faith. And so we have to ask ourselves the question tonight, if the substance I have of the things that I'm hoping for is my faith, how much substance do I have in my Christian life? How much of the real part, the reality, the meat and potatoes do I have to my Christian life? Or is my Christian life filled with all the sides, but there's no substance? I hate nothing more, as I already described being a country boy, I hate nothing more than sit down to a meal that's nothing but vegetables and sides. I eat breakfast, I want bacon, or I want sausage, or I want steak. I want something besides eggs and grits and grits and all those things. Yeah, I love grits. They taste like whatever you put in them. Tastes like salt, tastes like pepper, tastes like cheese, tastes like butter. <laughs> I want some substance. And the substance that I have tonight what I hope for in the future is where I am in my journey of faith. And it's the same for you. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The evidence that I have for you tonight that heaven, that God, that Jesus Christ is real is my faith in Germany I knocked on a door of a university and a young lady came to the door and we began to witness to her and she said prove to me that Jesus Christ is real and I said to her I have no image to show you I can't say go to this place and see him but I want to tell you some stories of how I know that Jesus is real. Tonight, in a way I hope to inspire, I want to give you some evidences 
in my personal life that has caused me to know that Jesus Christ is real. When people ask us of the hope that is within us, what substance or evidence do we have? People say, what is the reason you hope so much? Do I have any evidence to give them? I remember as a young child, sitting at the table around our table of my father, who's now been a pastor for 42 years in Upper Michigan, I remember the meager surroundings we have at that time. It meant nothing to us, but now looking back, looking at pictures, last time I was home, my brother and I were looking at pictures, and we looked at my dad and said, Dad, we were poor. <laughs> There's not even paint on the drywall. <laughs> we were poor. I remember as a child sitting at the supper table, and I remember my father making a simple prayer that night, and he said something to this effect. He said, God... You know that all the food we have tonight, the food on our table tonight is all we have. And I want you to show my children that you're God and that you will keep your promise and supply all of our needs. I remember very vividly I remember walking to the door and seeing grocery bag after grocery bag after grocery bag sitting on our porch. And I remember as a small boy saying, God is real. I have evidence. I have substance that the things that I hope for, that I've been told that they exist, they really are there. I have proof they will stand up in court. I remember as a young man, Hiles Anderson College tour group, thinking to myself, I, I'm making good money at my job, and if I leave my job to go on tour, I might never get it back, but I'm tired of listening to the filth and the cussing and the vulgar attitudes, and I just want to be around Christian men, and I'm going to try to go on tour, even if I don't get anything out of it. I remember on that tour, I took what little money I had left after I paid my last school bill, and I went on tour with it and hoping it would last and I remember meeting a missionary partway through that tour. He's a missionary to New Zealand. I'm sorry, Australia. And I remember having $20 left. I remember I was just about out of soap. Just out about of shampoo. Just out about out of toothpaste. And the logic of my mind said, God, if I give this money to him, I'm going to be a smelly tour member. Hiles Anderson College is not going to be happy if I go around without any deodorant, trust me. I remember God saying, give this $20 to that missionary. I walked to that missionary, I gave him $20. I remember getting on my knees that night at the house we were staying, and I said, God, when I was nine years old, you called me to Africa. If you can't provide for me now, I might as well not even go. I remember the next day I woke up and a sweet older lady we were staying with, she came and she said, boys, God has impressed upon my heart that I need to give you guys a little bit of money before you go today. And she handed us more than what I had given to that missionary. 
I remember three times on, dip, on, on tour that that similar circumstances happened. I remember one day one of the boys going, wherever Mike stays, can I stay with him? <laughs> Evidence of things hopeful. Where did it start? For me, it started as a little child sitting by my parents' table. My dad being in a position where God was needed to be everything for us. And I took a step. You see, faith is not one big giant leap into the oblivion. Faith is not saying, I'm going to walk off this cliff. God, please catch me. Faith is trusting in the promises of God. And stepping where God says to step when he says to step. And it's a journey. We don't get to the other side in one big giant step and do some great thing for God like the, the men we've heard about in the past. We start at one place and we don't know where we're going to step next. And God says, take a step. And I say, I can't see it. It doesn't make sense. And God says, trust me. I will supply all your needs. You say, okay, God, I trust you. Whoa! <laughs> I'm on solid ground. I didn't fall off the cliff. In that journey many times, we have to learn God's voice. There have been times, yes, my wife, where I stepped off, stepped off a few little cliffs, learning to discern, to discern God's spirit and my wishes. But it's been a journey. I think of the time when we were on deputation. We were on empty. Our car normally went about 27 miles on empty. I know, did that many times. This particular time, we were driving late at night, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, to actually trying to go to a meet, uh, missions conference at my home church, and there's no gas stations forever up there. It's just wilderness. The gas light comes on. I know it's approximately 70 miles to the next gas station. My wife and I began to pray, mile after mile after mile after mile. We got one mile from the gas station. I remember. Probably wasn't a very good attitude to have to God, but I said, God, you got me all this way. You can't give me one more mile. I turned the key. <laughs> we went to the gas station. What evidence do I have that the supernatural is there? It is my faith in Jesus Christ. I remember starting a Village Church, you'll see it tomorrow night, God willing, the first Village Church, 2007. We started it, and I remember some money had been raised to help us build the buildings, and we had done all this work, and we were laying the floor, and we were trying to finish the building, and the money fell out. It was, it was done. We were finished, and the floor wasn't finished at the church, and we had a couple thousand dollars in our, in our account, and I went home, and I told my wife, I said, Brooke, I believe God would have us to use all the money we have to try to finish this building. My wife, as she always says, at least outwardly, as my wife always says, if God's told you to do it, you do it. When I say it was all the money we had, we didn't have money for food the next week. I went and bought cement. I hired workers. We began to pour the floor. That Sunday, one of the ladies of our village church brought a great big thing of plantains. She said, Pastor, I don't have any money, but here's my tithe. We ate boiled plantains. We ate fried plantains. 
We ate every kind of plantain you can make. For one week, we ate plantains. I was discussing that with our boys on the way here this, this evening, and Grant said, I remember that very vividly, eating all those plantains. And God never promises that faith sometimes doesn't take some sacrifice. God never promises that we're going to be eating Burger King or whatever your favorite restaurant is every day because you're living by faith. But my God says, I will supply all your needs. Food, shelter, and clothing. How do I know that Jesus is real? I remember a time, well, I don't remember a lot about it, but I, I remember my son, Grant, burning up with fever, and we were trying to get the fever down, and so we take him to the cold shower, and I know you're not supposed to do that, but trust me, that was all we could do. That was the last drastic measure. We take him to the cold shower, listen to him scream and cry and get his temperature down, and I took him to the hospital, tried to get his blood drawn and see if he had malaria, and before I was finished, I couldn't walk myself, and I was called a friend. I said, I can't drive. I'm sick, too, and he came and took us home, and that night, Grant and I's fevers went through the roof. There was a little lady who was about 25 years old, maybe. My wife that, that night got on her knees and said, God, I'm all alone. If you don't heal my son and my husband, they're going to die. And that next morning, my son and I began to get life again. How do I know that Jesus is the healer? What evidence do I have to give to you? What reality do I have to show you that Jesus can heal? I'm here tonight. The reality of God's grace. As a result of that night, those days, actually it ended up being some days before that night, my wife was pregnant miscarried. called the doctor in the States. He said, there's no way you can risk coming home. You've got to go somewhere right away. You need a DNC. I held my hands, wife's hand. No anesthetic. No Tylenol. No nothing. I watched God's grace give her strength. I have evidence that Jesus is life. As a result of that day, my wife should have never bore children again. In Germany, when she conceived no, uh, Jonathan, the doctor told her this should never have been possible. If you say to me tonight, prove to me that Jesus is real, I have evidence. There was a few, about a two years ago, three or four years ago, Jonathan had come down sick, and I was supposed to be going to the capital city to do paperwork. I wanted to make sure he was going to get better before I go. I didn't want to leave Brooke alone with a very sick child, and he seemed to be getting better, so I took off. I got to the capital city, and I got a phone call. And my wife said, Jonathan's fever is dangerously high. What do I do? When she said that, the Holy Spirit put a verse in my head or a passage. And 
God reminded me of the message, the story of the centurion who came to Jesus and said, I'm under authority and I have those under authority in me. All you have to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed. I called a Christian brother up on the phone. I said, brother, will you pray with me that God would send his spirit from where we are to where my wife is and heal my child? The next day, John was getting better. I remember the time that Grant had 106 fever. And as I put my head on his hand on his chest, I felt his heart. And it was going. And I said, God, if you don't slow his heart down, he'll never live tonight. God is my witness. I felt his heart. Say, Brother Williams, what evidence do you have that Jesus can heal? What evidence do you have the power of God is available? What, prayer, what substance do you have that if I step out in faith and I don't know where I'll land, that God will do it? I have evidence for you tonight. And the evidence I have is not something that you can hang on to, but it is my faith. The question I have for you tonight is what evidence do you have? I never, I didn't get all of a sudden to the day where I was begging for my life, son's life and God did something miraculous. I started as a little child sitting beside my dad's table saying, God is real. And all along the way saying, God, are you sure? God, are you really sure? <laughs> I was like, Gideon, God, I need five times to show me. Gideon didn't turn back because he was sure is what God had said. Woo! God is real. Okay, God, another step, okay. Yes, God is real. God is the healer. God is the life. God is all powerful. Hey, I have proof for you. I have evidence for you because it is my faith. I remember last year, I'll close with this story. Came time for prayer camp. I needed about, well, I needed several thousand dollars. No money had come in up the months beforehand, and I had gone with a co-worker to go to the hotel where we needed to reserve to have our conference, and I needed to reserve it, and I had no money, and I went, and I, I knew that the place was going to be astronomical, and the guy, a, a man went with me, and we began to talk to them about the price, and They began to try to barter with me, and I said, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't have any money as it is. Whatever I have has to come from God. I watched them put away their pens, put away their calculators, put away their 
per room amount they need to, to make money, and they set it all aside, and they said, you just give us this much, and they gave me half of what they needed to have. But as the days began to get closer to prayer camp, three weeks, no money. Two weeks, no money. I went back to the resort and I said, I'm sorry, I still don't have a deposit. I still believe God is going to supply. And they said, Pastor Mike, you said God had to do it and we trust that God is going to do it. And I walked out of there saying, oh God, you hear that? You hear that? They, know, they are saying, my God can do it. Now show them you can do it. I watched as one of the young, one of the young men that was working with me came to me and they said, Pastor, what is plan B? And I said, I don't have a plan B. It's either plan A or we pack up when we go home. A few days before prayer camp, I got a message. Someone is sending you thousands of dollars. That is the evidence I have. That you can step out when God says to step out and he will supply. Now here's a vital truth. All those times that I was in need, why was I in need? Paul said, I am instructed to be hungry. Paul said, I am instructed to suffer need. We often look at the first part so we, don't, we forget about the second part. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Paul is saying that God said to Paul, I am instructing you to be hungry. I am instructing you to suffer need. Why? Because there's somebody out there that I need to bless and until they get in the wagon and say, hey, I will supply that need, I cannot supply all of their needs. So Paul, I'm instructing you to be hungry because the church at Philippi needs to be blessed. And if they will answer, then there's going to be a great grace bestowed upon them. And they'll give way beyond their measure because I need them first to see that you're hungry and to feed you. Why do I say that? We often look at missionary needs. And it discourages us. Next time you see a need, realize that maybe God has instructed them to be in need. Because he's looking for somebody to fill that need. So they can claim the promise, my God shall supply all of your needs. Evidence. Substance. Heavenly Father.